Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is episode 94 of the podcast here on Wednesday, February 15th. 2023 thank you all so much for listening for pressing the button that sent this podcast straight into your ears it's a big podcast this week because we have our Xander Sfax NBA analyst hillbilly he is joining the podcast once again to update us on the NBA season because I don't know if you saw or not but on Sunday there was a big football game turns out that a certain team from Kansas City won as Someone on this podcast, I believe, last week told you was going to happen. Santa warned you! Just saying. Might want to go listen back to that podcast if you haven't. Just if you don't believe me. That was episode 93 this week, but episode 94 is this week. We are talking about the NBA because football's over. And why would you watch the spring football leagues when you could watch basketball? We are talking about professional basketball this week. The NBA, the All-Star Weekend is this weekend, the All-Star Game. The trade deadline was last week, and oh boy, I don't think the NFL liked last week when the NBA was taking all of their thunder during Super Bowl week, because the NBA had a ton of big-time headlines popping out, including LeBron James becoming the all-time leading scorer. We're going to talk about all that with Hillbilly in just a second here on the podcast, so make sure to keep listening, but also make sure... That if you like the facts, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 94, rate and review the podcast, then check us out on all our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm on them all, at Zaner's Facts. That is Zaner with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about Xander's Weekend Facts, our weekly newsletter, which has the week's top headlines summarized for you. It's convenient. It is free. Sign up in the episode's description. Check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for Xander's Facts website, xandersfacts.com, which has the Xander's Facts shop. Get your facts swag at xandersfacts.com. So, with that out of the way, let's get straight to it. I want to get straight to it, because we have a lot of facts to cover with Hillbilly. He brought the facts this week as we update the NBA season. We're at the home stretch, two months away from the playoffs. The basketball is getting good. So, if you haven't been watching basketball because football's on, now is the time to start watching basketball. And we've got a little update for you here on the podcast about everything professional basketball let's get to it our nba season update with our xander Sfax senior nba analyst hillbilly as the xander Sfax podcast continues xander's facts all right so i've been seeing a lot of stuff on social media about all these nba basketball podcasts and people are complaining that those people don't even watch the NBA. They have no clue what they're talking about. Well, I can assure you that that is not the case on this podcast. Because whenever we talk about the NBA, you all know, we bring on our senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, who watches all the games every day. He is a true NBA fan. Spitting the truth. Hillbilly is back on the podcast this week to provide an NBA season update. Hillbilly, welcome back. 
Well, thank you. I feel a little pressured now. I didn't know I was supposed to be watching the games. Well, that's kind of a prerequisite for being a senior NBA analyst. But I guess so. Nope, I have been. It's it's been a lot of fun watching so far. You know, we're getting into the home stretch, kind of past the two thirds point, and things are starting to take shape. And it looks like it's going to be really fun going into the postseason. Well, we are. We've had a lot of news recently. I mean, the trade deadline just happened. Last week, it was one of the most eventful trade deadlines we've had in quite some time. The All-Star break is this weekend, so it's kind of, we're at a nice point to basically recap everything that's gone on so far. But as Hillbilly said, we're about to get into the home stretch and gear up for the playoffs. Football's over, so we got to update you with some basketball facts, and that is what we are going to do this week. As I said, trade deadline happened last week. The NFL was probably not very happy with the NBA last week because everybody was talking about all the trades that went down in the NBA, which we're going to talk about. Hillbilly has been gracious enough to bless us with his top eight teams contenders for the NBA championship this year. So we are going to run down that list, talk about all the trades they've made, how they're looking, what their chances are of winning the championship. Get ready. All right, so why don't we just get straight into that list, Billy? because you've got your top eight teams who have a chance, and that's the teams that a lot of people who haven't been watching basketball because they've been watching football want to know about, who's going to win the championship. So you've got your top eight teams. Why don't we run down this list and start out with your number eight team? Well, at number eight, I have the Clippers. I think that loyal listeners will remember that I picked the Clippers to represent the West uh, in the finals, but you know things just kind of haven't progressed, and it's gotten to the point where, I mean, due to the amount of talent that they have, you can't just write them off. I mean, if if Kawhi's just holding everything in reserve and he can still bring it in the playoffs, who knows? But I don't think they made themselves much better at the trade deadline. And I don't think they got better at the spots they really needed to. So they picked up Mason Plumley, who's a backup center. One of the, I don't know how many Plumleys have played in the NBA. I think it's at least five or six. Um, well, where did they all go to school? Was it Duke? Yeah, they go to Duke. Well, there's Mason, there's Miles. Marshall. Oh, Marshall, Miles. of course. Who? There's at least three. But anyways, you know, a decent backup center, which will help with the Zubox moments to kind of give him some rest. Eric Gordon, they brought over, who is not quite the big deal that he, he used to be. But, you know, the guy can still shoot. He can still provide some good offense for him. And then they picked up Bones Highland that was kind of a fire sale from Denver because he was go going nuclear in Denver and had to go. They got him for next to nothing. But what they really needed was a point guard. And, you know, instead they they get rid of uh, Reggie Jackson, who they had been playing at point guard. And also Luke Kennard went out. And John Wall. And John Wall. But, you know, John Wall was kind of, it just really wasn't providing much. So now it's like, I don't know if they're planning on relying on Bones Highland because they really don't have a lot of other people that are just playing point guards on that team. And that would be a disaster. I mean, that guy's shooting under 40%. He's had a blow up in Denver with the coach that became, there's no way he could stay. And it's because he doesn't do anything but try to shoot and score. And he's okay at it. But I, I just don't think that the Clippers made the move they needed, which was to get a good playmaking facilitator in there, a point guard to kind of set the table for Paul George and Kawhi to just make things easier on them, you know, 
to try to grind out baskets in the playoffs. And I just, I don't think they did that. I don't think they've, they've come along like we hoped they would, like we've seen them start to gel. I mean, as I said, I think we're over the two thirds mark, maybe even at the three quarters mark. Teams have got to start getting it together now. Um, and they just don't really ever seem to do it. But like I said, I don't think you can count out a team with Kawhi and Paul George on it. So we talk about the Clippers. They have played 59 games this year. They're 31 and 28 in those. Sixth in the West, a loaded Western Conference, which we're obviously going to talk about. But you've got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, both of whom have over 22 points a game. How far do you think this team could go with you know those two guys? And obviously, we haven't seen Kawhi Leonard play very much in LA. Well, I don't know. <laughs> how far they really can go. I don't think they're going to progress much and where they're standing right now. So they'd have the Kings right now, which you know you would think that a playoff experience team like the Clippers would be able to take advantage of the Kings, you know, lack of experience and then not really having much defensive metal to them. But, you know, whichever one they draw, I think the Clippers are going to have some problems. I, I just, unless they surprise everybody and they get it back together and Kawhi is just really, you know, holding it in reserve. Um, I just don't see him making it out of the first round. Whoops. I don't know if the, I haven't seen your list previously. So you all are listening to this for the first time with me, but I don't know if the Kings are on your list, but we got to talk about the Kings at some point. They are third in the West. Well, I'll tell you right now though, the Kings aren't on the list. And you know, the wow. reason they're not on it, despite where they are right now is it's just, you know, this is a list of, I mean, it's hard to come up with these lists in a way that makes any sense because the things you're trying to predict. These are not Sandra's facts. You know, like, do you do the list considering injury or not? Just assuming health for everybody. Um, And is that really fair given that, like, you know, Phoenix may be much better if you assume health? I mean, the Kings are first in the NBA in points per game. They're averaging almost 120 points per game. They're second in offensive rating. They're Offensive rating is first in the league in the games they've won. That's 31 games. And a little fact I got for you, De'Aaron Fox, who's done really well for that team this year, scored 14 points in a single overtime period like last week or so, which is the most by a player in overtime this season. It's a fact. Yeah, well, they've got a lot of good offensive firepower on the team. They seem to enjoy playing together. Things seem to be clicking, but... You know, we're talking about a list of people and their likelihood to win the championship. And the teams that are off that list for me are the teams that I would be surprised if they won the championship. It would be a genuine surprise. Teams that are as young as the Kings with zero playoff experience on almost all of their players don't win the finals ever, pretty much. And they're not, I mean, I, it, whatever exceptions there have been, the Kings aren't that exceptional of a team. So I just wouldn't consider them to be a contender to win the title. All right. Well, I got one more fact for you on the Kings before we move on. So the Kings played the Rockets four times this year. They swept the Rockets in all four of those matchups. They scored over 130 points in each game of those four games. That's just the third time that's happened in the history of the NBA. How about that? It's all true. So let's go to your number seven team, Hillbilly. Who was it? At number seven, I've got the Grizzlies, and I thought I would have them higher than this at this point in the year. They seem to really be chugging along earlier, but Stephen Adams going out was huge for them. Their record has just gone right in the tank, and the fact that he's that important to his team 
or to the team is a little troubling because Steven Adams is the kind of player that can have trouble staying on the court in the playoffs. Um, someone that is that offensively limited, they they can get played off the court to where you know previously teams didn't necessarily play him a lot at the end of games, you know, in playoffs just because of his you know offensive liabilities. Um, and so the fact that they're that reliant on him, they've just seemed different since he's been out. And then the stuff keeps happening with John Morant that I, you know, I hate to say where there's smoke, there's fire, but he at least seems to be keeping poor company and just maybe making some bad decisions. And that stuff can just kind of drag on you. I'm just not getting the best feeling about the Grizzlies right now, but they're also so loaded with talent that it really wouldn't be a surprise if they did put it together and made a big run. I just, I'm, I'm worried John Morant might be a little distracted. Yeah, you talk about the stuff with John Morant. Apparently, a couple weeks ago or so, there was a red laser that was pointed by his entourage, I guess, at Pacers personnel. His father has gotten into several confrontations during games courtside while they're playing the games with opposing teams and other fans. Fight me. But you're talking about a team that's 34 and 21 in the West. They are second in the West, but they have lost seven of their last 10, but they're second in rebounds and blocks per game. John Morant's fifth in assists, and the only really trade they made was getting Luke Kennard from the Clippers. Yeah, and Luke Kennard, again, is the kind of guy, I don't, I don't know that he's really going to help them when they really need him. Because, you know, they got him because their shooting can be a little hit and miss. You know, John Morant, as great as he is, is not a very good outside shooter. Desmond Bain is, of course, one of the best in the league, but they got Kennard to kind of balance that out and have, you know, two really good shooters to keep the defenses honest, but Kennard can't really play defense very well. And he doesn't give you anything else other than the three. It's unlikely that he's going to give them big minutes in a really hard playoff contest that they're going to need. So yeah, I don't know that they've made a lot of big changes, but you know, they do like Jaron Jackson is so good defensively. He makes up for a lot of the problems that Memphis has in their perimeter defense because neither John Morant nor Desmond Bain, and if they play Luke Kennard, he's no better. Neither, none of them are playing great perimeter defense. Dylan Brooks is good, but you never know when he's going to get ejected from a game for going crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that little thing he had with Donovan Mitchell. What was it a couple weeks ago? Right. Well, and just he's the kind of guy that 29 teams hate him. You know, Disrespectful! There's only one group of players that, that likes playing with him, and that's his teammates. So for all that, the Grizzlies still sit in second in the West. But how about your number six team? So number six, I've got the Sixers. And, you know, the Sixers certainly have the talent to go all the way. I don't think it would surprise anybody. Embiid is, if not the best player on the planet, no one's clearly better than him. Really? They've just loaded with talent from top to bottom. I thought they had a good trade deadline. They lost Matisse Tybel, but they had kind of lost patience with him already. Matisse Thibault came in as a defensive specialist and he just, he never really progressed with his offensive game. As I've said before, you've really got to be a two-way player, at least to some extent, to just keep defenses honest out there. And Thibault gives you nothing on offense. So they switched him up for Jalen McDaniels is essentially what happened. Um, And Jalen McDaniels is kind of a younger, rangier, He's got a little bit more offensive game to him. 
And I think they're just hoping to, that that's going to help round out their depth. The problem with the Sixers is just trusting them. Whether you consider health or not when you do these rankings, it's so big with someone like Embiid and Harden. They're never any good by the end of the year, or at least they're not at their peak at the end of the year. It's so rare for them for that to happen. And you just can't count on it. And I wouldn't. And they they also, they if you watch the Sixers, some of the games they lose, they just they go into these lulls where they just don't look focused. And, you know, that's been the case for teams led by Embiid for a long time now. I mean, Embiid is obviously a just supernatural almost player. He is so good. But, you know, it seems like there's been a leadership void in Philly for years now. And, you know, he's clearly the best player. He needs to just really get that team together, get them focused. But I, for whatever reason, I don't expect it, but I wouldn't really be shocked if they were. So the Sixers are third in the East right now. 36 and 19 is their record. But you talked about what happens when Philly just stops and they lose. They have blown two 20-point leads in the last two weeks. Uh-oh. Yeah. And at the beginning of the year, we were talking about Doc Rivers, I think. And, you know, is is he really the problem? And maybe he should go. But, I mean, he's held on so far. But what what do you think, Hillbilly? What's what's really the issue with the 76ers not being up there with the other two teams we're going to talk about in the East? I think it's really hard to know unless you're like in that locker room, I guess. I mean, exactly what the issue is, but there just seems to be some kind of lack of focus that has been part of that team for so long. You know, part of me wonders, you know, almost superstitiously, if this is just this is what happens when you tank for like what was it five or six years in a row when you when you just intentionally suck for that long i just think there's some bad karma that comes out of that or it's just that their collection of people just and again starting with Embiid i mean he is the best player on that team i mean is he really making his players get his teammates get focused. You know, that was one of the reasons that made, that was one of the things that made Jordan so great. And, you know, one of the very best is he just, his, his teammates had to be focused. He was going to make them do it. And Tita Kumpo is the same way. Like he just, you're going to be focused if you play for the box, it's just going to happen. I don't really see that with Embiid. And I just don't know that he's going to be able to lead them to a championship until he gets that kind of mentality. But again, he's so talented. James Harden is still a very good player. They've, they're rounded out throughout their roster with good players. It wouldn't be shocking if they won. I just wouldn't expect them. Embiid is second in the league right now with 33 points per game. All right, let's go to number five. So at number five, I have the Warriors. And I actually, as, as I'm doing this, I'm, I'm wondering if that's too high. That's blasphemy. I just, you know, I said this last time we or our last podcast i i just have a bad feeling about curry's health this year and he's been out for extended periods twice now if he's not a hundred percent in the playoffs you can forget it and you know they made this move for gary payton who you know they could have just re-signed gary payton last year now they're giving up james wiseman the number two pick in the draft what Three years ago? That was a fact. Number two pick. They're giving him up for, you know, what a 30-year-old journeyman in the NBA. I mean, Gary Payton's good, but he's not second pick in the draft good. So that's a kind of a sad statement by the Warriors. 
And, you know, now it looks like Gary Payton's not even going to be able to play much this year. Mm-hmm. So you just, and, and again, there are a lot of, and we talked about this before, but there are a lot of troubling signs with the Warriors and their defense, their lack of focus. But then again, they are the Warriors. If Curry is healthy and Clay Thompson looks fine these days, I, I think at this point, we know he's never really going to be fully back to the way that he was night after night. Yeah, they've still got it. Wiggins is on his way back. Actually, he may already be back, but you know, he's playing well. You know, if he's at his level like he was last year, where he was the second best player on their team, you know, they they can beat anybody in a series. I just don't think that they're going to be able to string four playoff series in a row with what they've got going on this year and the lack of focus. So, you know, that's why I have them down at five. The defending champions. I mean, you're talking about a team, number five, who is ninth in the West, exactly 500 at 28 and 28, but they are still second in the league in points per game. They're averaging 118 points per game. The issue, of course, is that they're also giving up 118 points per game. And Curry has obviously been injured. He's been injured twice now, I think, because he's not going to be able to play in the All-Star game. Right. And they've been too... I mean, his MVP campaign's pretty much over. He's just missed too much time. And I just, I don't know, guys, his age with the mileage that he has on him from those long playoff runs, and he's start to worry a little bit, you know, which sucks because he's about the most fun player to watch. It's hard to believe he's 34. It's the truth. Yeah. Well, he doesn't really look it either. Yeah. And this is better than the Warriors have. They were out of the play in earlier this year, and it wasn't just. They had played a few games. It was a lot of games that they were still out of the play in. So it hasn't been that great of a year. No. Let's go to number four on Hillbilly's list of contenders. So at number four, I have the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, the Suns are, they illustrate the issue when you're doing, when you're looking at rankings of considering health. Because if I just assumed health and assumed that they are all going to be in peak form on that team. I think they're actually the number one team in the NBA. I mean, Devin Booker with Kevin Durant now and assuming Chris Paul is healthy and feeling good in the playoffs, that just by itself is incredible. And then you add in DeAndre Ayton, they are, you know, they're not a deep team now. Um, although what's the guy's name from Orlando? It looks like he's gonna come over. Terrence Ross, who's actually a really good player for Orlando. He's gonna come out in the buyout which is going to help their depth a little bit. But, you know, the, I, I don't know how in the world a defense handles Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on opposite sides with Chris Paul setting the table for him. And then DeAndre Ayton doing everything that he can do in the middle. That's just, it's just too much. But assuming health for them, I mean, what are the odds? You know, you look at those players, you know, between, you know, with Kevin Durant, the way that he is now, he's still injured. And that is an injury that he's had at least once, I think twice before that, like right knee sprain or whatever. And, you know, they were making the point that each time he's had it, he's come back and played fine. But how many times can you really count on that happening? I mean, each time that thing gets hurt, to assume that he's going to be able to be able to bounce right back is just you can't always assume that he's been getting hurt a lot, unfortunately, over the last few years. I think it's hard to just assume that he's going to be there. And then Chris Paul, I think it's unlikely 
that that he's going to be in that kind of shape. I mean, he's never really made it through an entire playoffs without getting hurt. I mean, even when he made it, you know, in the Bucks series where they went to the finals, Chris Paul was still showing the mileage at the end there. And the last few years, he just, I mean, last year, as we said on the podcast, when they got demolished by the Mavericks by like yeah. 50 points, it was Chris Paul. He couldn't get the ball up the court. Man, that was rough. Like he just, he, he cannot compete at that kind of physical level when he starts breaking down later in the year. And without any one of those guys, I, they don't have the depth to make up for it. And if I was betting, I'd bet that at least one of those guys is not going to be there. You know, Devin Booker's also been injured this year, and he's also been, you know, the last two or three years, he's been getting injured a lot. You know, he's young, so you got to hope that he's going to be okay. But counting on health for them is really dangerous, especially without the depth to really make up for it. That's why I've got them as good as they are for. Yeah, and you take a look at the record, they're 31-27, fifth in the West, but they made the biggest splash of the trade deadline. Kevin Durant, who was, you know, one of the top players in the league, one of the top players, best players we've ever seen, get traded from the Nets to the Suns for Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, and five first-round picks. So the Suns had to give up their depth and a lot of their future but they're betting on this happening right now because we're at the end of Chris Paul's career. Devin Booker is, I mean, when he's playing, he's playing really well. And now you've got one of the best players of all time in Kevin Durant. So, I mean, it's it's hard to say that when they're healthy, which is a big if, if they're healthy, they're the most talented team in the league, you'd think. I, I, think, I think that would be right. But I, I just don't know. Chris Paul... Even even what is relatively healthy for him now, he's just not what it used to be, and I think it's you know that's going to be tough. Um, they did, as you mentioned, they lost a lot of depth. I mean, losing Malik Bridges and Cam Johnson, those are two great three and D players. Jay Crowder as well, even though they weren't playing him, you know. And the Nets, they may have really, you know, an interesting question with the Nets and everything that happened with them. Are are they actually still better off? Because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving came to New Jersey, or would they have been better well, off Brooklyn. not? Um, yeah, Brooklyn. <laughs> Sorry. What do you say? Or would they have been better? Or would Brooklyn have been better off if they just hadn't come? And you know, that Brooklyn team's not bad now. They're not a contender or anything, but those picks could be very valuable that they, they got four first rounders and a pick swap. So they basically control the Suns draft for the second half of the decade. And that's a decade where Kevin Durant is going to be about 40. Chris Paul is going to be long gone. And they don't have a lot of capital to make up for it. They're really in a, they need to win now in the next couple of years to make it worthwhile. Um, and the Nets may be sitting on a real treasure trove of picks. I mean, listen, if you've got Cam Thomas, who's shooting 40 points every game, like he did. <laughs> Three straight games became the youngest player in NBA history to score 40 points in three straight games. He looks legit. He, he looks like a legitimate scorer. I mean, maybe not. Maybe teams will figure it out once they really get enough tape on him. But, um, you know, he looks like he can go get a bucket. And the Nets got tons of nice, rangy 3 and D players out of this, like Malik Bridges. They got Dorian Finney-Smith from the Mavericks. Lots of good players they picked up with all those draft picks. I mean, it's kind of sucks what happened, 
when you have those three players and James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, and they won what one playoff series the yeah. whole time, that's that's pretty painful. But at the end of the day, they're not in the worst shape right now. They're definitely I'd rather be in the Nets position than like the Wizards position. Duh. Well, okay. Yeah, but I mean, and that's our fifth right now. Do you think that they're going to drop yeah. by the end of the year? I do, but you know, they they could be so good defensively. I mean, Malik Bridges is uh, Malik Bridges is essentially as good as a wing defender gets in the NBA. I don't know if anyone's actually better than him. And that kid they have playing center, Nick Claxton, has immediately become one of the very best defensive centers in the league. Leads the league in blocks. Yeah, and he's just he's a good defender. He's not just, you know, chasing after blocks and and letting, you know, plays happen. He's a really good defender. Dorian Finney-Smith is one of the better 3 and D defenders out there. They're just kind of loaded defensively. I could see them being the really tough out night by night that kind of sticks around. I just don't see them going anywhere in the playoffs. All right. So, Suns were number 4. Let's go to number 3. So at three, I've got the Nuggets. I think that the the next three teams, they're the ones that like, I, they're in a bit of a separate group than what we've talked about. So they're far. the ones with the three best records. Yeah. And they're teams that there's no real reason to think they won't be generally healthy when, you know, come playoff time. And they've just got everything clicking. And everything looking good with the Nuggets in particular. They don't do much in the trade deadline. They picked up Thomas Bryant from the um, Lakers for a guy named Devon Reed and two second rounders. And then they lost Bones Highland. But as we talked about, Bones Highland had to go anyways. You know, Thomas Bryant's an interesting, he's, he was a backup center in LA and he was upset because he wasn't getting, you know, enough playing time because, you know, Anthony Davis there. So then he gets traded to the Nuggets and he's behind Jokic who may be the only player in the league that's better than Anthony Davis at center. That was dumb. So, you know, not much is going to happen for him there. But, but you know, the Nuggets are a, if you watch them play, they are a well-tuned offensive machine. I don't think any defense can really handle it. Jokic is just such an amazing distributor. Given his height advantage, I think you could argue that he's the best passer in the the NBA's had. He's definitely among the best that I've ever seen. He has such an advantage from his perspective, you know, up at you know nearly seven feet, distributing the ball with such incredible touch. And they're just so deep. The pickups that they made in the offseason, like Contavious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown, who are just really good defensive-minded players who can still shoot the three really well, are really paying off. Contavious Caldwell Pope, he may not be anymore, but he was leading the league in the three-point percentage. And that's on a team where you've got Jamal Murray, who is really starting to look like himself and look like the, you know, the problem that he was developing into before he got hurt in the bubble. And uh, Michael Porter Jr. just loaded on that team with offensive talent. And you know, if they go up against a team like Phoenix, which I think people are assuming is a good matchup against Denver, you know, I don't know about that because you know, Aaron Gordon for the Nuggets have has had a kind of a quietly like all-star level year. I mean, just a awesome defensive player with, you know, a good, solid, efficient offensive game, but just a real defensive stopper with good size to him. Just the kind of guy that, you know, no one can even really slow down to ramp, but 
can make Durant work for it on offense. So maybe he doesn't have as much energy on defense. Gordon be great with that. Contavious Caldwell Pope, again, a great defender would be great to stick on somebody like Devin Booker. So, you know, even though they're an offensive minded team, I think they have defensive solutions to at least make the other team less efficient than they'll be. And I think that can go a long way, which is why I would pick them to go in the West as of right now. Bold move there. Okay. I mean, you've got Jokic, who's the two-time reigning MVP, who's having another MVP season. He's averaging a triple-double, basically, right now. And how about this fact? In the last 24 games that Jokic has scored a triple-double, the Nuggets have won, which is tied with Magic Johnson and the Lakers for the longest streak in NBA history. So next time he scores a triple-double, if they win, that's a new NBA record. Nice fact. Yeah. I mean, and what he, earlier this year, he had the 40 point triple double, which, you know, nobody's done that since what Wilt Chamberlain. He's just, he's an absolutely incredible player. I mean, he's shooting 63% from the field right now. So, I mean, he scores at volume hyper efficiently. Like nobody shoots that kind of percentage at that kind of volume. It, it, and then, you know, you put in his passing all the different targets that he has. You know, the defensive abilities that they do have, the focus that they seem to have right now is everybody's kind of coming back. I think the last two years were really hard on them because of injuries. And I think they're really motivated to do it this year. So, you know, I think the Nuggets are going to go from the West would be my pick, although it's going to be really tough. And we're just going to have to see about how healthy the Suns are. Yep. 39 and 18, four and a half games ahead of the second place Grizzlies at the top of the West. So we got two teams left. I think we all know who those two teams are residing in the Eastern Conference. But let's see which one Hillbilly put in second place. Well, I don't think this is going to surprise you that I have the Celtics in second place. Uh, um, okay. Despite the fact that they are barely in first place right now. Barely. I think they're up by, what, one game, if I'm not mistaken. And or a game and a half. But, you know, they have basically been tied for first place now with the Bucks for a while. I mean, those teams seem to be somewhat separating themselves from the Sixers and the Cavs, although the Cavs are climbing up fast right now. But the Celtics, they've been, a, they've had some problems since they lost Marcus Smart. Um, now they've got Jalen Brown out for a little bit. They're still chugging along, though. They're such a well-rounded, deep team now, which they were not last year. I think we mentioned this last time, but if we you know, go back to last year with what we were saying in the playoffs, they ran out of gas and we saw it coming. You know, We predicted that that was going to happen because of the minutes that they were playing. And this year, they fixed that problem. I think they must listen to your podcast because- Xander's facts. You know, they went out and they fixed it and they got you know, a lot of really good backup players like Malcolm Brogdon. And at the trade deadline, they didn't get a big splash, but Mike Muscala is the kind of guy that, you know, can come in. He's a big, strong defensive player or big, strong, big guy that can shoot from three very well, especially when he's a little streaky, but when he's hot, he can really be dangerous out there. It's just another guy that they can give minutes to now, though, to keep Horford good and rest it up for the playoffs. They, it's, it's a team that already knows exactly what they're doing, and it's really hard to make an argument that anybody's clearly better or more likely to win the championship than them right now. Well, Hillboy is going to try and make that argument, but 
little couple facts for the Celtics here. They're the only team that is in the top five in both offensive and defensive rating in the league. They're third in offensive, fourth in defensive. And they have the best average points per game differential in the league, 6.2. They're averaging almost 118 points per game. And, I mean, we are talking about a team that represented the East in the NBA Finals last year with Jason Tatum, who has eight 40-point games this season, which is third most for the Celtics with Paul Pierce because Larry Larry Bird has the other two seasons with more, with nine of those. And then, you know, beyond Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you've got a guy like Derek White, who became the first player Mm -hmm. in NBA history last Friday when the Celtics beat the Hornets, who had 10 assists, eight three-pointers, and three blocks in a game. How about that? Too many facts. Yeah, and he's a great defensive player. He's, He's just part of that depth that they have. They're just an excellent, well-rounded team. And, and like I said, they know exactly what they're doing. You know, they're kind of like the Nuggets. Like they, the focus is there. They know what they're doing. You know, they're ready to ratchet down come playoff time. They're, they're going to be really, really tough. So the Celtics are 41-16 at the moment as of Monday night when we're recording this podcast. The only team in the league who is over 700 on winning percentage. Before we get to your number one team, because I'm pretty sure that your number one team is not this team. You mentioned Cleveland, who was fourth. They're five games back of the Celtics. They are the top team in the league defensively, according to the metrics. They are first in fewest points allowed per game. And Donovan Mitchell scored 70 points earlier this year. He's just the seventh player ever to record a 70-point game. These are facts. What are the Cavs doing right this year? I think they're doing it right because I I think this year wasn't going to be this their year. I think it was really unlikely that it was going to break that way for them. So they're letting their guys play. They're getting better every year or every day. Evan Mobley is starting to show some offensive signs that, I mean, he's already a defensive nightmare, but he's starting to show offensive signs that's really getting scary. They're, they've they've got four excellent players but that's the problem is that they've got four excellent players and nothing else you know at the trade deadline they didn't address their biggest need which was a wing they just need a big wing stopper somebody that can play that perimeter defense out there you know on some you know some of the bigger wings that are out there and they didn't get it and they don't have a lot of depth you know behind those guys on the on the bench no playoff experience for most of those players, or in the case of Donovan Mitchell being on Utah, bad playoff experience. I, I, it'd be really unlikely to see a team like that break through this year, I think. All right, so Celtics were number two, not Cleveland. How about Hillbilly's number one team? Number one contender in the NBA. Is he going to surprise us? Oh my gosh. Who I don't it? think so. <laughs> tell me, tell me. I, I doubt it. I, it's the box. But in, the reason that I picked the Bucks, and you know, I said that about the Celtics, it's really hard to pick anybody over them. But the way things look right now, the Bucks are the hottest team in the NBA. They've won 10 in a row. Since Chris Middleton came back the second time, because remember, he was out at the beginning of this year. It was this injury that we thought was only going to we, we thought he might come back in the playoffs last year. There was an outside chance. It turns out there was no chance of that ever happening. Um, the injury lingered well into this year. Then he came back. He had a setback. 
you know, gets pushed back out. Now they're bringing him back. He's starting to look more like himself. They're being really careful with his minutes. Drew Holiday's having a good year. They are deeper than they've been in a, in a couple of years. I liked the, their pickup at, at the trade deadline where they got Jay Crowder, you know, who is a good rugged defender, which is the kind of guy that they're going to need in the playoffs. He's a streaky shooter, but when he's hot, he can really help. You know, they're just a very well-rounded team. They have been just about as good as the Celtics all year long. And we are witnessing them round into form. You know, they, we, there's every reason in the world to think that the Bucs are going to be significantly better by the playoffs than they are right now, the team that's winning 10 in a row. And, you know, that's the reason that I would put them over the Celtics, because I think that they've got a little bit more headroom to actually get even better than they are right now, where they're essentially tied. But, you know, with as good as the Celtics are, I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics just have another gear they can put it into in the playoffs. I just, I like the way that things are going with the Bucs right now. They look like they're really rounding into form. Defensively, they just, it, it's impossible to go against the Bucs when you've got a, a point of attack, like the tip of the spear defender, like Drew Holiday, who just, like you can see Drew Holiday terrifies Marcus Smart. You know, you saw that in the playoffs last year, where multiple times Marcus Smart visibly looked nervous when he would look up and see Holiday coming after him. Evil. I mean, Holiday really embarrassed him in that in that series a lot. And then you've got it backed up with maybe the best interior defense other than maybe Cleveland in the league. You know, Giannis is, you know, I think People maybe forget just how good he is defensively. I mean, he is a legitimate defensive MVP candidate, as is the guy standing next to him, Brooke Lopez. They've got everything going together. And, you know, the jury is still a little bit out on Jason Tatum. He hasn't quite gotten a team all the way there yet. You know, hasn't shown like that level of like control over the team, getting them to focus like we talked about earlier with other teams. Giannis just has champion written all over that guy. I mean, I know obviously I'm, you know, the biggest Giannis homer there is, but I mean, you can't deny nobody works harder than him. I mean, he is busting it every single second he is out there on the court. And that when they're, when you're very best player who can do whatever he wants and not get in trouble, when he busts it like that, every single second out there, There's just no excuse why everyone else isn't doing that. And I think that's why you see so much buy-in on that team, so much focus on there. Hopefully, like I said, Jay Crowder will be healthy and ready to go because I think he can be a helpful addition. I just, I don't see at full power that that I think they're trending towards anybody that's going to be able to beat them in a seven-game series. Yeah, Giannis is third in points per game in the league, first in rebounds, and second in fast break points. And as you said, they got Jay Crowder. When you talk about, you know, recent playoff experience, he was with the Suns when they played the Bucks in the NBA Finals. He was with the Heat, I believe, in the bubble when they went he, to the He finals. had a very good bubble. He, that was, that's Jay Crowder when he's streaky shooting. He couldn't miss in the bubble. But then other times he, you know, it, it evades him. So they got him. They gave up George Hill who, you know, George Hill's traded every deadline day, so that was no surprise. Serge Ibaka, Jordan Nora, and five second-round picks. 
I don't know what was going on with the pit, the second round picks. Like I think I know it almost seemed like were being traded. It almost seemed like for a second. Well, one team traded five second round picks. That's a lot of numbers. No, but yeah, but yeah, there were a bunch of pick stackings in the second round. This deadline was kind of weird. Yeah, it was almost like everybody had got an extra second rounder to play with or something. But but I think for the teams that that spent them, I think they're all they're spent well. I mean, Jay Crowder, I know three second rounders is a lot of second rounders, but they are just that second rounders. And Jay Crowder is the kind of guy that can help you in the playoffs. All right. So Hillbilly's top contender is the Milwaukee Bucks. But before we go, I mean, there's some, there's been a ton of stuff going on around the league last week. A couple of the headlines that I think we should mention before we go. We've got the Mavericks, two teams of the West, really, we should talk about. The Mavericks, who are sitting in fourth, who traded for the other half of that big duo that was in Brooklyn. Didn't turn out too well. Kyrie Irving, they, Gave up a first-round pick, a couple second-rounders, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith. But they got Kyrie Irving to pair along with Luka Doncic, who was first in points per game right now. But you didn't even have them in your top eight, Hillbilly. No. Well, they don't have any. Their defense was horrible this year. I mean, especially relative to the defensive teams that the Mavericks have put out the previous two years where they were just rock solid this year, they were not playing well defensively. And so what do they do? They trade away their best defensive player, Dorian Finney Smith for a guy who never wants to play defense in Kyrie Irving. Yeah. So their defense is going to be even worse and offensively. Yeah. I mean, Kyrie and Luca, you know, on opposite sides, like I, it's really difficult for a defense. You would think to know what in the world to do with that. I mean, somebody is going to be getting the ball with the head of steam at some point during every offensive set. If they're doing anything right, counting on Kyrie is insanity. That's a big fact. <laughs> they, you know, this is just a rental. Kyrie's a free agent after this year. They gave up a first round, a first and a second or two seconds. Um, along with those players, Spencer Dinwiddie being another one that was, you know, having an important year for them this year for a rental on Kyrie. And with that, with the kind of defense they're going to have, I mean, nobody wins the finals with the defense that's in the, you know, 25th or worse, which is what they're almost certainly going to be. You don't win finals like that. So it just, to me, seemed like a desperation move. Like maybe they know something we don't know about Luca getting itchy about wanting to get out of there. Huh? Because that is one hell of a gamble on Kyrie Irving. And I just, I don't know why in the world anybody would trust that guy. It was, you never know when something else is going to pop up. I mean, we thought we were good with them when, you know, all the vaccine requirements ended and then, you know, this other thing pops up and apparently he's been active on social media again. So, you know, okay. Yeah. I mean, no, he certainly like threw the match to burn the bridge on the way out of Brooklyn. Oh, because yeah, that too. I mean, he just and like it's the silliest thing in the world because everybody watching it is like, Kyrie, do you really think that we're going to believe that Brooklyn was a, like it wasn't you? You know, <laughs> I mean, Cleveland, Boston, Brooklyn. You know, it's just the same thing everywhere he goes. I guess the only saving grace is it's a contract year. He had been playing really well when he was focused this year. Maybe he knows that to get paid next year and to get another big contract, he needs to be on his best behavior. But I just don't think anything like that has stopped him before. If you say so. We'll see. But a team, 
I mean, we got to talk about him, Hillbilly, the Lakers. I know they're 13th of the West, but we just had LeBron James become the NBA's all-time leading scorer, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That was pretty cool. And it's really kind of like a new look Lakers surrounding LeBron and Anthony Davis now because Russell Westbrook is gone. That did not work out too well. Patrick Beverly, Thomas Bryan are gone. In comes D'Angelo Russell, who's coming back to LA, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Mo Bamba, Devon Reed. It's different, but obviously they're 13th. So, you know, you, you can only really go up at this point. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, when you look at what they did, you know, they've, you know, basically picking up, as we talked about, Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, getting off Westbrook's contract. Kendrick Nunn wasn't playing much. Thomas Bryant wasn't happy there and wasn't really that big of a deal for them. And then they lose a first rounder. Like they definitely brought in some good players or better players. Like Jared Vanderbilt, I like a lot. He's an effort guy. This can be able to probably give him some good defensive minutes, you know, spell Anthony Davis with a little more quality minutes than they were. You know, Malik Beasley can be a volume scorer and he was just not afraid to, to put it up. Uh, Rui Hachimura is, I, I think he's probably, wasn't that excited about that, uh, about him for them. I mean, Rui's always been like a project. Like he's this very tantalizing athletic specimen type, you know, like six, eight, six, nine, really quick, really strong, but just doesn't seem to be very good at basketball, which, you know, as it turns out in the playoffs becomes really important. Are you sure? So I just don't know that he's really going to help him. D'Angelo Russell's the one that I guess they're hoping. And it's funny because I haven't heard anyone mention like D'Angelo Russell used to play on the Lakers. He was the second pick when he was drafted to LA. Right. And he left under very poor circumstances. I don't know if any, if people remember it, but you know, Nick Young also used to play for the Lakers at that time. Swaggy P. And right. And D'Angelo Russell secretly videotaped Young admitting to cheating on his fiance and then like distributed it. Whoops. Like the, the, they, they had to trade him after that. They just hated him so much. And now he, you know, he goes to uh, Golden State. Golden State couldn't get rid of him fast enough and turned him into Andrew Wiggins, which was great by Golden State to do. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Minnesota. And now Minnesota's had it with him too. Despite the fact that he's having his best shooting year this year, they're still just like, nope, just go. Uh, it's just difficult to see somebody who's obviously got that kind of locker room repellent gravity to him that that he's really going to help this team right the ship and you know lebron james is injured right now anthony davis as as i've said before every every time you see him fall to the ground you wonder if he's going to get up it just it looks like a, a car crash every time it's just difficult to to see him making it through the year so with all that said it, i don't think it made him contenders i don't think they have a legitimate shot of climbing out the hole I mean, remember when LeBron had his big game where, you know, he set the, you know, all-time points mark, they lost Yikes! to Oklahoma City, who is a, that's a really, really big loss for the Lakers. That's the team that's right above them. That's one of the teams, one of, I think it's three teams uh, or four teams that they have to get over. And Oklahoma City is one of those. Like they can't count on Golden State coming down. They need to count on teams like, you know, Oklahoma City getting over them. And they lost at home 
when LeBron is breaking the scoring record, you know, you would think they'd be motivated to let him win that game. The Lakers would be, and they just couldn't really bring it. I just, I'd, I'd be surprised um, if they really made it past the first round in the playoffs. Well, do you think they're going to make the play in? I mean, they're no. two games out, well, but they lost to the Thunder, who are currently in the play in right now. And, you know, I, I, It'll be interesting with the Thunder and, you know, the Jazz, obviously they traded away a lot of players there over the Lakers, so they could be tanking. You know, we we talked about that, you know, previously that there might be something that Danny Ainge might do here is blow them up twice in the same season. And he did to a limited extent. So the now I don't, God knows how many draft picks Jazz have now. It's like everybody in the league is in first round picks. So, you know, you could see them maybe dropping, but they still have some good quality players on the Jazz. So I don't know. I mean, I at the end of the day, I have to think that they did make some roster improvements at the trade deadline. They are deeper than they were. They're just better than they were. Not to an extent where it's going to make a huge difference, I don't think. But yeah, I, I if I was betting, I would think they'd be in the play-in, but they're going to be at like 10th or 9th. And that means they have to win two play-in games in a row. Mm-hmm. And then that's for the privilege of playing like the Nuggets or the yeah. Suns or whoever's in first place. Yeah. I mean, Reggie Miller, they were, they were doing a TNT game with the Lakers. He had the line, anytime Anthony Davis grimaces, it's three weeks. I want to uh, see yeah. anytime AD grimaces, it's three weeks. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, but you know, you've seen him play. Like, you know what I'm talking about? He doesn't oh, yeah. fall like most people do. <laughs> I mean, it's just this, like he, he just crashes to the ground. And I, I feel bad for the guy because it must suck to be like that. Well, I mean, I, should, I feel bad for him. I mean, he's obviously living an incredibly, you know, blessed life. But I mean, to be that talented, though, but he's so frustrated with your body that like it just breaks down on you so much. But, you know, he is just also one of those guys that, you know, as you're trying to predict what's going to happen in the playoffs, you know, can you count on him? Can you count on Chris Paul? Can you count on Joel Embiid? Can you count on James Harden? You know, I don't know that you really can. They just don't usually bring it towards the end of the year. And I think Anthony Davis is just there. I mean, he had his great year in the bubble. So at least he had that. All right, Billy, as we wrap up the podcast, final thoughts on what we're going to see in the home stretch here. I mean, we're talking about a league where scoring is dominant. I mean, you've got three times this season that there have been five games in a single day where both teams in the game scored over 120 points. That three times that's happened this season, and it never happened before in league history. Cool facts, bro. So what you got? Final thoughts on uh, what we're going to see in these last few, well, two months, ramp up to the postseason. I I think that for the second year now, the NBA is really wide open. I I I thought it was pretty open last year as well. But this year, you know, I just, those eight teams, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them were. Clippers that would actually at this point maybe kind of surprise me. But you know, the rest of them, I can see all of them doing that. And I just don't think that's the case in most years. It is wide open. And that's why I think we had that trade deadline, which, you know, I think most people that have looked at it, it's probably the biggest trade deadline we have. Durant's definitely the biggest trade deadline trade that the NBA's had. And, you know, everything else with Kyrie and everybody else that moved, it was just a huge trade deadline. 
because it's so wide open. All these teams really do think that they can do it. And there is so much talent in this league now. You know, we, we've talked about this before when we talked about the MVP race last time, how much talent there is in this league, how much young talent. You know, I think it is really illustrated well by, you know, you have Kevin Durant and LeBron James. You know, LeBron James, you know, now it's the, Flavor of the month, I guess, to call him, you know, among the greatest ever or whatever. You know, he's in the top three, whatever he is. Kevin Durant's in the top 10. And Kevin Durant, before he got injured, was having maybe the best year of his career. I mean, he his numbers were just out of sight. He was playing so well. So, you know, you've got a guy that's like a top 10 all-time player in his absolute prime. And I don't know that he is even in the top three in the league right now. That's how strong the league is. That you can have players still playing well, like LeBron James, that are all timers, but you can make an argument for Jokic. You can make an argument for Embiid. You can make an argument for Antita Kumpo that they are also just as good. I mean, does that mean that we have like, or Luka Doncic, that we have like three or four top 10 players playing right now? You know, and not necessarily, obviously, but I think it's just illustrates like just how good the talent is right now. And it's it's really great to watch it, especially as it just gets better and better. All right. Well, there you go. All-star weekend is this weekend. We're two months of the playoffs. NBA season is heating up. It's time to watch some basketball, y'all. All right. And to recap and basically update the NBA season, it's our Xander's Facts NBA senior analyst. Hillbilly. Hillbilly, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Xander's Facts. Oh, yeah. Thanks again to Hillbilly for coming on the podcast. And thank you all for listening to this week's edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. That's all the facts I've got for episode 94 of the Xander's Facts podcast. And remember that if you like the Xander's Facts podcast, if you liked all the facts that were on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 94, rate and review the podcast, go on all our socials, check us out, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z, and most importantly, of course, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it around here. Spread the facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about Xander's Weekend Facts, our newsletter, about Xander's Facts on YouTube, because all our new episodes get posted to YouTube, including this one. You should go check it out. Check out the Xander's Facts link tree. It's got all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for the Xander's Facts website, which includes the Xander's facts shop zadersfacts.com there are so many facts oh my gosh but that is episode 94 of the podcast next week we got a brand new episode also episode 95 and next week we're going to talk about something that we really haven't talked about before on the podcast now i know we've talked about soccer before on the podcast but we really haven't talked about the domestic league of soccer in the united states and by that i'm talking about yes Major League Soccer, MLS. Their season starts at the end of the month. Seriously? And thanks, the way you watch MLS on TV is going to be a little bit different this year. It's kind of a new era for MLS, for Major League Soccer in this country, and hopefully one that continues the growth of the game. We're going to talk about all of that next week here on the Zaders Facts Podcast, episode 95, so make sure to tune in. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 94 of the Zaders Facts Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And the Zaders Facts Podcast rolls on with episode 95 next week.